this morning, I want to talk a little bit about what I'm hoping to do with you, to invite you to be a part of something I think that is very significant for our church. If you did get the info uh, and, and you may have gotten the info and pretended that you didn't read what I had written, <laughs> because it's not exactly woo, but um, I'll tell you what, I think it's a very special time of the year where I'd love to be able to start with a church fast. And I'm going to explain what that means and how that can be done and all that. As a matter of fact, today I want to cover the who, the what, the how, and the why of the fast. Because it'd be great to understand those answers so that we get an understanding of why I believe fasting and why I believe we as a church can join in unity into coming into a very special part of the year where we just focus our attention on God and what we're believing God for. On the screen, Sonny will present the who, okay, the who. And he's just going to kind of go through the, the pictures, right? Um, I just said kind of I'll try and paste this well, Sonny, so that you know, people can see that there is a who. There is a who. It's, it's not just a fast to you know, uh, do some kind of religious uh, requirement of some sort. I know the, uh, the, the, the Muslim faith have a time of year where they fast. But look, all I'm saying is this fast means a whole lot when you see a, a face behind the who. who. Who are we fasting for? I want to fast right with our church, not only for the 21 workers that you're going to see, but of course, you now know that we are involved with the Kosoro project. And we are also about to get into the, uh, the support of Doug and Julie's work that they do in the school in Ethiopia. So that's exciting. So in, in total, we have 23 projects. That is who we want to fast for. That's the who. And as I said, you know, it's close to home when you see that there is a, a person behind the who, just like us, that has, you know, challenges, difficulties, has faith that they're believing God for things for, just like us, there is a who. But what are we fasting for? We are fasting for protection, breakthrough, favor, harvest, souls, disciples, resources, families, health, elections and governments, buildings, workers, opportunities, open doors, open hearts, increase, justice, outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and wisdom. That's what we are fasting for. And just to let you know that when we begin this fast, I'll explain a little bit later, for those who want to join me, right, we will have a devotional that will help us understand the specific needs of the who. Who are we? And I'll ask Sid and I'll ask Doug and Julie if they can also provide for us some prayer points to be able to cover the workers who we support as a church to be able to ensure that we are you know, really having specific prayer points that we can pray for. So how do we fast? We know who it is. We know what we're fasting for. And there are many needs. But how do we fast? The Bible teaches us that there are times of feasting and fasting. And don't you wish my email or my info was talking about the church feast that we're about to go into. Of course, one of the uh, blessings of Christmas, if we're honest, I definitely will be honest. The presence has kind of, for whatever reason, lost its appeal. 
But the feasting, let me tell you, my friend, the Christmas season and the feasting is one of my favorite things to do, and I love it. The Bible teaches us that there are times of feasting and fasting, and in Leviticus 23, describes the weekly Sabbath along with seven feasts. The Feast of Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of first fruits, the Feast of the Harvest, the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, the Feast of Tabernacles. There are seven feasts, and we, like I said, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to feast. But let me tell you something. I've just mentioned seven of the feasts, but did you know the fasting is actually mentioned 70 times in the Bible? And everyone said, oh. <laughs> 70 times in the Bible. And I think that's pretty important to, you know, there are some subjects and topics, you know, that aren't necessarily popular. But let me tell you, I truly believe that by the end of this, you'll understand the purpose of fasting and why it's such a significant part of our walk with the Lord. In the book of Daniel, we see him for 21 days fasting from certain foods, okay? But most commonly... In the Bible, fasting simply means not eating. <laughs> it means not eating. The Hebrew word for fasting is to cover the mouth. I was thinking how I could do this. I can't do this with a microphone. Cover the mouth, quite simply. The Greek word for fasting is to abstain from food. So how do we fast? How do we fast? We either abstain from certain foods like Daniel, and maybe there are foods that are jumping to mind. <laughs> oh, but I, I, I just, I love that routine. I love that moment that I have in the week where I, you know, enjoy that uh, luxury, so to speak. So you abstain from certain foods like Daniel or from certain meals like the rest of Scripture. It makes it quite clear. Fasting, let me tell you, it is a sacrifice. And sacrifices, by their very nature, are difficult and challenging. Let me ask you, who has put on their uh, to-do list or their goals for 2024? I'm going to get fitter. Anybody? I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to train this many times a week. <laughs> my wife's putting her hand up as well. Poor thing living under my roof. <laughs> uh, but we have, you know, we have goals and things that we want to uh, aspire to. Uh, uh, get. But here's the thing, we can't achieve what we achieve without that, that unpopular word, sacrifice. Sacrifices by their very nature are difficult and challenging. It's hard to fast, isn't it? It's easy to feast. Hard to fast, easy to feast, especially when you've got Calvin's butter chicken, Joyita and Calvin, I'm telling you, it's hard to fast, right? Very hard. And I want to say as well, as far as the fasting is concerned, let me just tick a point off very quickly, that there are people in different contexts in this church, and I understand that not everybody by their you know, medical advice is able to fast food, and we never want to you know, override your doctor and the advice and wisdom you've been given. So you, obviously, I'm talking to those who are able and willing and want to come into this fast. And by the way, there are other ways of fasting, of course. There are, you know, the, the luxuries of life. 
Maybe the TV shows that we like. Maybe it's the, what else is there? I don't know. There's other things, I guess, that you could fast. But the point being, today I'm focusing more on the actual meaning of fasting from the Scripture. Now, let me, let me challenge us with this Scripture that I believe will help us understand where, how we are positioned as Christians in our walk. Romans 12.1 says this, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. There's that word. Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. It's, not, it's your reasonable service. It's not your over and above and beyond wonderful service. It's your reasonable service. Listen, fasting, it can be described as a living sacrifice, can't it? it you're living and then you're entering into a, a season where, Lord, I'm, I'm going to sacrifice something, something that means something to me. When it comes to missions, you might have heard me say this once before or maybe twice or maybe even more, that when we consider, Lord, what is it that you want me to contribute as far as my family's income? Lord, what do you want us to do as far as our support for the nations? There's questions that we ask. The three are, what could I give? Lord, what could I actually give? When I look at my budget, when I look at the numbers, what could I give? The next question we ask is, Lord, what could I give up? What is in my life that I like it, it's important, but if it came to, Lord, I want to do something eternal, I want to do something with significance here, Lord, and I could give up this, what could that be? And the last question we ask is, what could I believe God for? Lord, um, let's not forget, right, that our God is unlimited. And Lord, what could I believe you for? So obviously that's the questions that we ask every year when we think about, Lord, what we want to do to support the nations. But now I want to bring it into the context of the fast. And I want to ask this question. What could I give up? What could I give up? Or what could I... What could I sacrifice? What means something to me that, okay, for the next 21 days, I'm going to sacrifice this for a purpose. And I'm going to explain to you the why very, very soon. Let me read 2 Samuel 24. But before I do that, I'll give you a bit of background. Here's David. David has sinned against God by taking a census of all of Israel against what God didn't want him to do. He went ahead and did that. And God was not pleased. And God, uh, David came to his senses and realized this is not something I should have done. And so bargaining with God, he knows that there's going to be a punishment that comes. God is a just God. And David says, well, I'll choose the plague, the, 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 the three days of plague that comes upon Israel. But after the third day and the devastation that came across on the land and the people that passed away, David repented and he comes to this place of like, God, why are these people experiencing the sin of what I have done? Anyway, so God, by by the prophet, God um, asks David, well, you need to repent and build an altar to the Lord in an appropriate manner to say, God, I have sinned and I've fallen short of what you have required me to do. Now, I'll pick up the story from there. uh, 2 Samuel 24 says this. Now, um, Aruna said to David, let my Lord the king take... And offer up whatever seems good to him. Look, 
Here are oxen for burnt sacrifice and threshing implements and the yokes of the oxen for wood. All these, O king, Aruna, has given to the king. And Aruna said to the king, May the Lord your God accept you. Then the king said to Aruna, No, no, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which costs me nothing. No, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to buy the resources to offer this, this sacrifice to God. It's going to mean something to me. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for 50 shekels of silver. Listen, the point of this story, and I hope you were able to grab, grasp what I want to share for a second, is David wasn't looking for a bargain or a concession. Listen, and now, as I said, fasting is not necessarily a popular topic to talk about. However, right, it is important to recognize that as Christians, there is a purpose of why we fast. It's to draw near to God. It's to focus upon Him. It's to be able to, to, to have God, for God to have your attention for a season where we're not distracted by everything else. But David was not looking for a bargain, not a concession. He said, so how do we fast? So how do we fast? We decide. We decide how we fast. And I will say that in the New Testament, you might be familiar with this story, that in Jesus' words, he talks about when you fast, don't make a show of it. Don't appear like you haven't eaten or you have, you, you know, you've done something for the Lord and you're walking around like feeling sorry for yourself and somebody will ask you, hey, what's wrong? Oh, mate, don't worry about it. No, what's wrong? Well, the thing is I'm fasting. And then in that, get a, a bit of recognition of your wonderful you know, faith and how great you are. No, Jesus says that when you fast, you should actually do the opposite. You should appear as though you had it all together as though you were in your normal right rhythm and routine of life because you want to get glory from God you know you want you, not glory from God you want to be able to be recognized by God not by man right so we don't take away even in this fast how do we fast well i can't say it enough it's between you and God it's not for me to know not for Joe to know not for anyone to know it's between you and the Holy Spirit. It's between, you know, we, we say we walk and we live by the Spirit. Holy Spirit, what would you have me do as far as this fasting is concerned? We cover our mouth is what I've been talking about. We abstain from food, certain foods or certain meals as an offering and sacrifice to the Lord. But end of the day, right, this is the biblical way of fasting. End of the day, it's between you and it's between God. But I will give you some insight that I believe is very important that might be helpful is don't look at the fast as a 21-day fast. Look at it as a one-day fast, okay? Jesus as well teaches us, don't think about tomorrow. Tomorrow will care, take care of itself. Focus on one day at a time is my point. Lord, I'm ready and I'm willing. Is there something that I could give up today? to be able to focus my heart in on you. So let me give you a sermon summary so far so that when we're up to speed with what I've been saying. We've looked at who. We saw the pictures. They are real people. 
real situations. We've looked at the what. There are needs, specific needs that we will present in our devotional. We know now how abstain from food, sacrifice a meal, whatever that might look like in your context with God, right? But now let's, let's get an understanding of the why. Isn't the why important, right? The why is like, yeah, but why do we fast? Let me start with saying why not to fast, right? Don't fast for weight loss, okay? <laughs> All right? Happens to be that we just had the feasting season of Christmas and we enjoyed an extra cookie or so, right? But don't, the reason of fasting is not to fast or detox, right? And the reason for fasting is, as I said, definitely not to please me or to please anybody else. Fasting is between you and God. So let me start by saying that. But let me now explain why we fast. Because through Scripture, we see that there's a real power that comes from fasting. The first point of why we fast is there is a real power that comes with it. Let me read Mark 9, 14. It says this, And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? And one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. And whenever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples and they should cast it out, but they could not. He answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. Let me pause for a moment. This is a desperate situation. It goes on to say, and often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. This parent is in a desperate, difficult situation and he's coming to the Savior and he's saying, this is the situation. It's pretty terrible. It's pretty horrible. And it's been happening since childhood. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us. And help us. Jesus said to him, If you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. And the Spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. And he became one as dead, so that many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? We, 
tried. We used every <laughs> approach that you had that you've taught us, Lord. We we tried. And he said, This kind comes out by nothing but prayer and fasting. What an incredible story where we see somebody at the end of their wits. They, are, they, are, they have had it. They're in a very difficult position. The spirit casting their child into fire or into water to destroy their child. I can't even begin to comprehend how this father felt. He was desperate, right? And Jesus reveals to us that in this situation, and by the way, when you read the Bible and hear what Jesus did, many of the stories are like summarized in about three or four sentences about the healing of what Jesus did. It was almost like, but in this particular story, it's lengthy about the situation, the context of what this guy was going through with his child. And at the end of it all, you cannot ignore that Jesus says, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting, revealing to us that there is a place in our faith for fasting. It's biblical. It's scriptural. You know, maybe there are things that are coming to your mind right now, even apart from the missions presentations that I presented to you. Maybe you're also thinking, God, if I enter this fast, I'm going to also add X, Y, and Z to the list of what I'm believing for because it has seemed like it is impossible. Perhaps I need a time where, God, I come and I, I, I hone in my focus and concentration on you, God, just for a season. So why fast? Because there is a power in prayer and fasting like no other. Secondly, there is a second reason of the why we fast. Perspective. Okay? Perspective. Listen to the words of Jesus. John 5.30 says this. By myself, I can do nothing. I judge only as I hear. And my judgment is just, for I seek not to please myself. For I seek not to please myself, but Him who sent me. This is Jesus speaking. And we're reminded of our walk as Christians to, be, to, to aspire to be like Jesus. Of course, there is only one Savior and we worship Him and we glorify Him for his life that he lived, perfect, blameless, flawless, right? But we see that he reveals that he's living not for himself, but for a greater cause, for his Father in heaven. In John 4, 34, it says this, My nourishment, there's a, there's a popular word, food, food, nourishment, comes from doing the will of God who sent me and from finishing his work. As you can see, Jesus his focus was very different to ours. I, I will admit to you, one of the first questions, right, that I asked my wife, right, talking about what my focus is at some, sometimes, is, hey, Joe, what's for dinner? I mean, I, I have asked her what's for dinner at the most earliest hours of the morning. It's something that I look forward to. I'm like, darling, what's, what's for dinner today? And, and of course, Joe is an amazing cook and I have to improve in that area. That's one of my, um, you know, get better at 2024, cook some meals, especially on a barbecue, right? But the point is, 
right? We can focus upon ourselves, right? And Jesus teaches us the opposite. His nourishment comes from doing the will of God. Fasting, listen, what it, this is what fasting does. You ready for this? It changes your focus. Fasting changes your focus. Fasting, feasting, let's go again with feasting, is about me. Fasting is about who? It's about others. Fasting is about others. Fasting, it gives me perspective. On a fast, I go from sight. I go from the demands of my flesh. I need this and I need it now. We go from sight to insight. Suddenly our receptiveness increases because that flesh and its demands is the notch is turned right down to zero and the notch of, Lord, I want to hear your voice and I want to be in a place of, of reflection and, and, and um, receptivity increases. My perception changes from the temporal to the eternal. My thoughts become heavenly and not earthly. And if I would ask us, how often is that the case? I could guess that, like me, you'd probably say, well, that's, that, that's the case whenever I pray. Absolutely. When we have that moment of prayer, we, we turn off the earthly and we focus on the heavenly and we invite the King into our dwelling and where we are and say, Lord, I'm, I'm connecting with you right now. But fasting is even more so, Lord, I'm, I'm turning off the temporal for a moment and I'm thinking about the eternal. So why fast? We've covered power. We see that Jesus demonstrates that this certain miracle was only possible through fasting and prayer. We see that it helps us with perspective. We realize it's not just about me and myself and my constant needs. It's about eternal purposes. But the last one I'll say, and I love this one, is why fast? Because of partnership. There's a partnership, isn't there? Especially when we come into a situation where we say, church, would you in your own space consider coming on this fast with us? There's a partnership. There's such a strength in unity and agreement. God moves in powerful life-giving ways where there is harmony and oneness of heart and purpose. A oneness. Though different houses, suburbs, situations, workplaces, still in our hearts, there's a oneness. Psalm, Matthew 18 says this, 19, verse 19. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree, we are going to be agreeing on earth, right, concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. Lord, we are agreeing together, Lord. We're not just going to support financially the workers and switch off the button of care. No, Lord, we're going to invest a season of prayer and thought. Lord, and as we do that, we're going to agree together. And God, would you, would you do what seems impossible? Would you unlock doors, Lord, that seem to be locked, Lord? Would you strengthen 
Christians who are on the front line, Lord, that need your abundant grace, that might have questioned their sanity of being on the mission field. Lord, would you increase the grace that you offer us, Lord God, as they continue the work of the Lord? We agree on anything, it will be done by the Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Psalm 133, one says this, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Hallelujah. There's a blessing that comes from unity. There's a partnership that happens as we enter this season. There's a relational benefit and blessing. There's a fellowship. Fellowship is, is more than just, hello, how are you? How was your week? There's a oneness, a unity, a harmony, an accord. You know, I love the book of Acts. We see the church of Jesus Christ being birthed as the Holy Spirit comes in might and power upon all flesh. And we see that the outcome of the, of the first church is like probably no other church that we've seen in history. They had a, a commonality, a oneness about the mission, the cause of Jesus Christ. And we saw the church, if you read in Acts, time and time again, you'll hear, and they were added on to the church, and the Lord added on to the church, and the Lord added on to the church. But here's some wonderful verses that give us an understanding of why there was such a blessing and why was there such a wonderful outcome in the birth of the church. In Acts 1.14, it says, These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Acts 2.1 says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, a oneness. Two, four, six, chapter 2, verse 46 says, So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Can you hear the Scripture really illuminate this unity this one accord, this single-minded focus upon what Jesus had in mind, what the Holy Spirit had in mind for the church. I want to finish today. In a moment, I'll invite the worship team up. But I want to finish today by showing you one of the most powerful events that happened in the New Testament while a local church, a local church, just like us, right, chose to fast and to pray. If you read through Scripture, what you'll discover is the church in Antioch was a missions church. You know, there were three instances in the, of people being sent out initially in the first 13 chapters of Acts. But it was almost like a single event, right, where the churches would send somebody out to the mission field. But the church of Antioch stayed faithful and true to this outward focus that we ought to not just win the city, our own backyard, but we ought to look out 
out further and, and have in our heart, God, what do you want to do that goes beyond this space? And in Acts 13, 1 to 3, it says, Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who, called, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manon, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, and this is what I'm asking us to do, the Holy Spirit said, we're being Spirit-led, we're asking the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us. Now separate to me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Wow. A local church, people in one accord, praying and fasting. And the Holy Spirit says, I want Barnabas and Saul for the work. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Did you know, and you might not be aware of this, this may be the greatest missions event that happened in the Bible. One of the, if, if we know about the Apostle Paul and Barnabas, what they went on to do, of course, the Apostle Paul, if it wasn't for him, who knows if we would have the gospel here in Australia. He went to the unreached, to the far ends to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And it happened in a local church after they were fasting and praying. Brothers and sisters, this morning, I hope that not through my coercion or my manipulating of words of any sort, but that you would see through Scripture that it is a biblical uh, thing to do, a biblical practice to enter into a place of God, I'm, I'm, I'm sacrificing right now. Not a popular word in the West, and yet we want to be shaped by the Scripture, not by our culture. Amen? We want to be guided by, Lord, what do you want us to do? Lord, you have a future and a hope for people who do not know you in the nations, in our own backyard, Lord. We want to be sensitive to that. Over the next 21 days, I want to finish with saying this. Starting on Thursday, this Thursday, the plan is, for those who want to, we are fasting for our 23 workers and projects that we support around the world. And we saw that. And there will be many, many needs that we will cover in that time. We are praying, as, as I said before, in the beginning, for protection. Lord, protect. Breakthrough, God. Lord, favor. Harvest, Lord. Souls. Disciples. Resources. Families, Lord. I love my own family. I will pray for other families, God. Health, elections, and governments, Lord. That your kingdom would come and that your will will be done on this earth and not corrupt governments and, and, and you know, money-hungry officials and, and high up people. Lord, we're praying for open doors. God, open doors. Lord, allow us to see it in our lifetime. Doors opened that were, were, seemed to be impossible. God, open hearts. Increase, Lord. Bring increase. Bring justice. Our pouring of the Holy Spirit, Lord, like the day of Pentecost, that you would come and that you would be in the church of today like you have never been 
before, Holy Spirit, that people in every tribe and every nation would glorify the King. Wisdom, Lord. So as I said, how are we going to fast? Be Spirit-led, if you will, and if you want to, cover your mouth, as the Old Testament Hebrew says, or abstain from food of some sort, a meal, a day, whatever that might look like for you. Because there is a real power in fasting like no other power. And God, I want to I want to tap into that, Lord. I want to I want to tap into what you have in store, Lord, for our church. Joe and I are going to be adding things to a list of our fast. We want to be praying for specific needs, you know, for our children and for our church family, Lord, that you would Lord see people move and grow in their faith this year like they never have before. Because there is perspective in fasting, it changes everything in my life, causing me to take my eyes off myself. Can I have the worship team come up? And last one, as we shared, or as I shared, sorry, there is a partnership in fasting that brings unity and agreement. Amen?